This is Sunday Golds. Ario Masudi and Brett Nevitt joining you as we get you set for Florida State baseball. Just about two weeks away from opening weekend, Florida State and UNF beginning on February 19th. And Brett, the Seminoles, they they came out their first week of practice. I know you were really excited uh, to get back to Hauser, and uh, they led us into a, a couple of scrimmages. I, I know that you definitely went to more than I did, and uh, were actually able to do some really cool uh, practice reports for, for Tomahawk Nation. And um, if you want to check out Brett's work, make sure you go to Tomahawk Nation and see the, those uh, practice reports because those include videos, um, n- not only just a, a written breakdown, but so much analysis. You do the best job by far on the beat of covering it. And uh, we appreciate having you here as a co-host on this podcast. But Brett, uh, just before we talk about the team, what was it like for you to walk through the gates at Hauser? You know, it's always nice. And, you know, it's just, you know, we we watched... We watch highlight videos of Florida State you know, dating back to the, the 2000, you know, Buster Posey and stuff the night before. You know, we were both ready to go and get back out there. And it was definitely nice. You know, you know, you know what to expect somewhat, but there's always some surprises, always some good things, some bad things. But it, it's just fun to get out there and watch baseball and wa- watch meet work with those guys and, you know, watch those guys get, get ready and get excited for the, for the start of the regular season. Yeah, Florida State baseball is such a passion of mine that – uh, Brett was actually over the night before the the opening practice, and and I was trying to show him on YouTube of every good and bad memory of Florida State baseball that I can remember. And so I did my due diligence to make sure that Brett was up to speed on the historical aspect of FSU. But uh, this team has a chance, I think, to add to the the history that Florida State and the tradition that Florida State's already built. And I know you mentioned just walking into Hauser, but there's just something different, right? When you walk in and uh, the mitts are popping and, and the sounds, uh, the pings of the bat, and you can, baseball has like an, has like its own smell. Like I feel like the senses heighten around the sport of baseball more than anything. And for me, when you just walk through those gates, like it's just like a happy, you just, you just like kind of, you're just kind of happy. And that's that's the game of baseball. And I think Florida State baseball has done that for its fan base for so many years. Mike Martin Jr. is in uh, season number two officially, and uh, he might have his most talented team that he's had. And this might be the most talented Florida State baseball team that they've had uh, when it's all said and done uh, in quite a while. When you looked at the first couple of days of practice, Brett, what stood out? Yeah, well, I thought pitchers had the big advantage for the most of the weekend. I mean, that's that's what you expect first weekend back. You know, by the end of fall, I've, I've hitters started to look a lot more comfortable facing FSU's pitching, and they they seemed to you know sort of start to catch on with what what the pitchers were throwing. But you know, first weekend back out, I thought the pitchers dominated. You know, there's a lot of there's just so many good arms. There's a, there's a lot of different things the staff could do with both the weekend and the bullpen. You know, we did see some good things power-wise, some good developments for some hitters as well. But, you know, for the majority, it was just, you know, pitchers having that upper hand when batters haven't seen live pitching in so long. You know, if you're a pitcher, you just you just go out there and do what you do in bullpens. And, you know, you execute in this early on in the, in, in the, the spring season, you're probably going get, to get a lot of outs and even strikeouts. So, you know, a long way to go for the hitters, I think. You know, still a long way to go for the pitchers, too. But... I think FSU's pitchers already look. Some of them already look like they're in a midseason form, but uh, you know this. this uh, just you know the pitching staff is really deep. Um, you know, just there's a few things that that you know are, leave some worries, but it's mostly positives I think from the first weekend. I tell you what's a positive is these uh, Madison Social T-shirts that have been made. Uh, Sunday Golds, uh, they're beautiful, and uh, that you can get them. Um, madisonsocial.com slash sunday-golds and email matt at madisonsocial.com as well and 
uh, add us on Twitter, and uh, we'll be able to, to try and hook you up with some of these shirts. But they're, they're really awesome, and they actually help support us and our podcast, too, um, when you purchase them. And so um, a portion of that goes back to us, and so we would really appreciate it. But, yeah, you know, the first week of practice, and I went out to the, the first scrimmage that they had out there on that Friday, and um, you mentioned the pitchers, and they looked really good. But you know who else looked really good? I thought Robbie Martin looked really good again, and he's getting some All-American buzz. I know Baseball America also just uh, added him as, as one of the All-Americans. You had a chance to speak with him last week, and, and Robbie said um, he's really coming into his own. He's feeling comfortable and confident as he ever has. But then he also mentioned the pitchers himself. He said they're really, they're really hard to go against, and he named Bryce Hubbard as the, the toughest bat that he's gone. Um, what, do you expect for, what do you expect from Bryce this year? Yeah, I think Bryce is definitely deep in that mix for the the weekend spot. Um, you know, a lot of these guys are still building their arms up a bit, velocity wise. I think that's you know Bryce is in that in that group of guys. You know, he was eighty eight ninety with his fastball, but you know I think he'll be a little harder than that in the spring. The curveball is always going to be his out pitch. It's a it's a big breaker. Can keep both righties and lefties off balance. Um, it was good to see him work in the lower half of the zone, and you know he was one of the my biggest takeaways from Meet's uh, opening press conference that Friday was, you know, I asked about Bryce and I, you know, just I just asked him how good can Bryce be when he's on, and you know, he just said, you know, there's big things coming. Um, he mentioned that Jimmy Bellinger moved him to the other side of the mound because most of his misses have always been up and to his arm side, and now he's on that other side of the mound, so he can sort of get farther out in his release and get the ball down. And when he's down in the zone, he's really good. So, because he can, he can use that breaking ball more so down in the zone rather than having to leave it up, coming off the fastball up in the zone. So, you know, when Bryce is on, he, he can be really dominant. We saw that in the summer, um, in the Florida Collegiate Summer League. Um, you know, I think he's in that mix for Saturday for sure. There's a, there's a, lot, of, there's a lot of good things about Bryce, but the, just, the one thing you want to see the most is consistency. And I think we saw that, and now I think in his next outing, we hope to see a little more velocity and and a little a little more a little more execution with the curveball. But um, you know, he's he's a first round type of talent uh, when he gets it going. Yeah, you know, I thought it was interesting because you mentioned the the summer league, the Florida Collegiate Summer League, and uh, Messick won the uh, the Cy Young Award for that summer. But you looked at Hubbard's stats, and and Bryce was right there. I mean, it, it could have been either of them who, who took away that award. And so Florida State can get that kind of production from those two going into this season when, when it counts. Uh, I think you'll be in, in really good shape. Now, when I was reading some of your um, your breakdowns from your, your practice breakdowns, um, one name that jumped out at me was Brandon Walker. And that's a, that's a local kid who uh, pitched at North Florida Christian NFC and um, has always kind of been highly regarded since he was 14 years old. A, a lot of people in Tallahassee have have had buzz around Brandon Walker and it's taken a little bit of time for him to uh, kind of take that talent right to the D one level and be effective. But Brett, you had him at 93 to 95 miles an hour with his fastball. If he's pitching at that, at that level, I mean, what does he add to this Florida state pitching staff? Yeah, it's been a little bit um, up and down for B walk. I think since he got here where, you know, last fall he had the velo where we saw him up to 96, I believe at one point he was throwing really hard, but he wasn't commanding much of his stuff, um, you know. And then in the spring, he, he he got changed a little bit of his of his off speed. And you know, I still think he was trying to work and get used to his new off speed. 
Um, this fall, he looks much better pitchability-wise, but his velo was down. You know, sometimes we saw him at 88 to 90, but then, you know, on Saturday, I was kind of just blown away, and he was he was really, like, the only guy that was up in velocity, and he was up in a big way, and at the same time, he was landing curve hammer curveballs over and over. And, you know, when he first came to Florida State, he did a slider. That, you know, he that was it wasn't a bad slider movement-wise, but he sometimes had troubles controlling it, and now the curveball gives him kind of a pitch that, you know, he can throw for a swing and miss, but at the same time, he can throw it for strikes in any count when he needs to, and it keeps it keeps people guessing a lot. And, you know, when he's got the power of that fastball, when he's at 93, 95, it's a real, it's a real closer profile. And, you know, just seeing that big step for him was something that was really good to see. And, you know, I think it's something that Jimmy Bellinger will be extremely happy about. Yeah, and this Florida State pitching staff, I think, is going to be as deep as they've had in quite a while. And um, there'll be a lot of guys who are competing for starting spots in the rotation. There'll be guys who are competing for for bullpen roles and maybe a a back end of the bullpen role. So maybe Brandon Walker finds himself in a competition there at the back end of the bullpen, um, finding some time. So I think that kind of parlays us into position battles. There are there are a couple. Meat did say that in his opening press conference that only Matt Nelson has locked down a position. Now we know that's probably some coach speak, right? Like the entire outfield, we feel pretty comfortable uh, will be what you expected. Cabell, uh, Albert, Martin. I doubt that anyone's taking those three spots, but I think it just kind of speaks to what Meat has been trying to really kind of just enforce at Florida State in his regime. It's that nobody's spot is safe. There will always be competition. You know, you're going to have somebody breathing down your neck. What positions should we look at right now where battles are heating up and that we have legitimate uh, a legitimate 50-50 shot for some people? Yeah, I would say basically the entire infield and, you know, that DH spot are all extremely up for grabs, kind of 50-50. You know, I wouldn't say shortstop is 50-50, but, you know, I don't think that Nander is going to be handed the spot this year. And, you know, I really like what freshman Vince Smith has done at that spot. You know, the entire weekend staff, I think. You know, I think and what Meat said was Parker Messick is probably going to is, – is definitely – it's probably going to be in that weekend, but they don't know exactly the spot yet. So I think that whole weekend still is up for – is up for grabs and spots to be taken. And, you know, the whole bullpen's even up for grabs. You got guys like Chase Haney who's been here forever, but, you know – you don't know exactly where Chase is going to be. He's probably going to be that high leverage guy, not your closer, but he's just going to be the rubber arm type of guy. But you mean other than that, the roles are all still being defined over these next these next two weeks of practice. So it's just it's it's gonna. I think it's gonna go right down to the wire. And there were there were some guys that I thought did take a step ahead this week, um, but I just think that it's going to be back and forth the entire time and. Basically, position player-wise, it will be the guys that play defense the best. Pitcher-wise, it will be the guys that throw the most strikes. No, I think you nail it. And what I've learned just covering college baseball over the years now is that the lineup that you see and even the the defensive, uh, you know, I don't want to call it a rotation, but the defensive starting um, nine out there, um, what you see in February almost as never what you see in April. And that is consistent. And it's almost consistent for every program in America. It is very rare to start with a with a starting nine in February on opening day and then see the exact same starting nine uh, in April. It's just the way the game goes. Um, in baseball, such a volatile uh, peaks and valleys game, you know? And so, 
yeah, we'll see. We'll see what Meat decides to go with on on day one. But that's probably going to change, and there will always be competition um, throughout the season. So we'll, we'll we'll have to keep our eye on that. And I think um, this Florida State team might have some pieces to where um, what you start out with in February might get you to where you want to go in April, um, so that you kind of bridge that gap. All right. So uh, Brett mentioned Nander, and uh, Desantis has done a couple of things um, to try and improve himself here. Um, now in his uh, third year with Florida State. Uh, namely, he's switched to the right side of the plate almost exclusively. And uh, that's something that, that Brett talked about with Nander, who was gracious enough to join here on this podcast and, and be able to talk to us a little bit about what it's going to be like to go into his, uh, his junior year. So uh, enjoy this interview. Because first off, Nander, how good was it to get back on the on the field this week with the full team? I know I know you guys had some individuals before earlier this month, but just getting back with the full team and you know going through some live abs and a full scrimmage. How fun was that this weekend? Uh, it was good, especially after you know a long break. We kind of went home for the fall a little bit earlier than usual due to the whole COVID nineteen pandemic, and you know it's always good to be back, especially with your teammates. You know, get to be around them and, you know, be together again. It's always fun. And, of course, playing baseball again is always, you know, the best feeling ever. You know, you can't wait to get back on the field, especially in the springtime. You know, going through my third year is, you know, really exciting to, you know, be doing what I love. So, you know, it was was great. You know, the team looked really good. Everybody looked energetic. Everybody looked like, you know, to to trying to win, which is the most important part. You know, you guys got off to somewhat of a slow start last year and also for yourself, I guess when it seemed to start to start to click for you guys late in the season and for yourself, um, I guess just how disappointing was it, you know, when you guys started to turn things around and then it, as soon as it was good baseball, you just felt like, well, now we're going home. Yeah, of course, it was very disappointing. I mean, it hit everybody kind of like a rock. It was out of nowhere, just everything kind of went down, especially like you said, we're starting to, you know, find and play our best baseball yet, you know, even though we have pretty close games early in the season against Texas Tech. And, you know, we, we show our potential against Florida. And, you know, you hurt, especially for, like, older guys at the moment and seniors and stuff like that. It really, it really hurt. But, you know, now we kind of look back at it and be like, that was just the beginning. That was just the start. Of something special so i think this this team this crew is, has, has a lot of talent it's, and we can build something really special here in, in tallahassee you look back at last year and kind of just think of it as you know it's a short season just wipe the stats off you know it's just lessons learned and just take away i guess the good things from the season and, and try to try to forget the bad oh for sure i mean i mean you of course you just want to learn from your mistakes and the things you did wrong I mean, you're gonna look, always got to look back at and on those things because that's what makes you grow as a player, as a person. You know, all those ups and downs and all the struggles are only gonna make you stronger. So, you know, I strongly believe of whatever happened last year, it's done, it's the past, and now we just got to focus on what's what's ahead. Um, you know, I'm really, really excited for the future. Um, make some trusted decisions in my baseball career, especially like right now. Um, try to change a couple of things and just try to, you know, be able to you know, provide more for my team, produce more for my team, and just be there for them and help them win. Obviously, there's not many positives of the pandemic and having the season canceled, but, you know, you did get to go home to Panama. And I guess, what were the positives of that? I guess, it was it kind of a mental reset for you? And I guess, when was the last time you were at home in Panama for that long? Uh, but 
basically just said it. You hit it right on the screen. It was, it was a mental reset for sure. Uh, but before that, I went home for Christmas break. No, actually, I didn't go home for Christmas break. But before that, I, was, I think the last time I was home was early August of 2019. That was the last time I was home. And then I went home, of course, for the pandemic. But yeah, when I went home, it was kind of more of a mental reset, trying to get with my family, just kind of, you know, reset and just think about things and, you know, analyze my game, analyze myself, where I'm at, where I'm at like, as a person, where I'm at as a baseball player. And, you know, you had a lot of free time. I read a lot of books, watch a lot of, you know, listen to a lot of podcasts and ebooks and stuff like that about the mental side of the game of baseball and, you know, trying to get that knowledge that everybody needs. And I think it was great. It was a great, you know, time to just analyze those things. And I think, you know, the part, that part of the game kind of gets forgotten a little bit. People don't really put a lot of focus on it. But uh, but in my opinion, I think that's what separates the good players from the great players. You know, that, that will of always trying to get better, that will of no matter what happens, I'm going to work harder than everybody else and I'm going to, you know, show everybody that I'm, I want to be here and I want to, you know, be better. So it was a great time, you know, especially with my family, even though the pandemic was, you know, pretty bad down there. Um, but, you know, I just kind of make, make the best out of it every time you get the chance to, you know, especially to spend time with my family, who doesn't come very often. But, but yeah, it was a good time. And you've, you've been in some big moments at FSU between, you know, your sack fly against Arkansas, you've had your sack fly against Florida last year, your homer at Florida, I guess. Do you enjoy the big moment? And I guess what's been your favorite moment so far at FSU? I mean, of course, you you got to enjoy those big moments. I mean, those don't come around very often. Um, but, yeah, um, I like them. And I think my favorite one probably be the sack fly in Arkansas. I mean, it's just the atmosphere. There's 30,000 people. And you just, you know, 11 walks up to you and kind of just tells you, like, don't worry about it. Like, you got this. It's kind of, like, really boosts our confidence, you know. And, you know, you're trying to go out there and do your job for the team. It's probably the most important thing. It's probably the only thing I was thinking about when that happened. Just try to get the run in no matter what. Try to, you know, help the team win. And, you know, it happened. And honestly, I think that's probably the best act fly I ever hit in my life till today. Hopefully some more of those come out wrong. But, but it was fun time. You know, those memories, especially in my freshman year, it was a great year and for the team and for Florida State Baseball. Uh, what we were able to do that year was was pretty special. And, you know, I have no doubt in my mind we can do that this year again. You know, you've switched to second and, I mean, to short and second and back a couple times now at Florida State. I guess, how how has playing second base affected you mentally at shortstop where, you know, at second, you have some more time, you can take your time more and slow down a bit. Do you just feel like that's kind of changed your me- mentality at shortstop a bit as well? I would say no. I would actually say kind of, if anything benefits me, I see, like I said, everything I see and, and kind of put it on a positive perspective, you know, like, see, I mean, going to second base, it's not like, oh, like, oh, I'm going to second, like, it's different, it's not good, or like, everything's, there's something wrong. Like, I, I see it as an opportunity to develop other skills as well, develop things that I you can do to help my team win as well. And, you know, kind of going back and forth between my freshman year especially after the, the first 30 games my freshman year and then went to second for the second half of the season. Uh, I thought it was good. I thought it was just going to help the team win. So that's my mentality was that. I wasn't really focused on the field inside of the baseball. Like what I was doing wrong was more of like, if it's going to help my team win, I'm going to do it. You know, as long as I can, you know, 
like you know produce and help them win that's all that matters and even last year did the same thing but then I ended up going back to short you know and probably play the best field in in the last seven games of the the, of the sun like the last seven games of the year was um probably the best defense I played too for a, for a little while so like I said I would just see it as a positive like a positive mindset of like you know just kind of reset and then when you go back there just do the best you can to you know to help the pitchers you know, you you switched over to right-handed only recently, and I guess Meets told the story a little a couple times now in press conferences about he hadn't even known that you didn't really hit switch hit much. I guess what led to you telling Meet finally that you you used to only hit from the right side? Um, yeah, I honestly learned to switch it when I was only fifteen. Well, I was I was fifteen years old. It's finally when the first year I got back, I got moved from Panama to the United States. I was just fifteen when I learned. Never done it before, really like that. And I kind of picked it up really quickly. I mean, it's a huge difference between facing high school pitching and college pitching. Um, but I, I guess it was just a decision of um, comfort, confidence a lot, especially a lot of confidence. You know, especially after my first two years, seeing a little struggles and like a little bit of like inconsistency, which is probably the hardest part, especially having, you know, to swing both sides and being consistent on both sides. It's, it's a, pretty hard especially with the pitching that nowadays is we face in college and probably going to face in the future it's hard to be you know consistent especially with something you don't really have been doing your whole life so um, I kind of just had the thought of I feel like if I can just hit from my natural side and you know work on my craft there and really focus on you know perfecting that one side it's going to help me but I don't know it's not only going to help me but it's also going to help the team you know having more consistent at bats more consistent hard contact and all those little things, you know, I feel like they go a long way. And as of right now, I think I've probably felt the best, uh, especially hitting wise, you know, really confident out of the box and I'm uh, just trying to get better every day, honestly, and kind of getting used to it again. But, but I think it was a big decision, especially in my career. But uh, honestly, like if you don't take the risk and there's no high reward. So, you just see how it goes, and you know I'm excited to see what the things up to come. How's how's it been? I guess seeing right versus right now again when you got breaking balls breaking away from you. I guess how, how's that adjustment been for you so far? I mean, of course, like the first three games of the scrimmages that I played was a little tough, especially kind of looking at the release points. I was I remember my first about ever. I think it was against Davis Davis Hair, and then literally like. I was looking at the ball, expecting the ball release from the left side. So I was like, my box was literally set on the other side of the right in the batter's box. I remember I didn't even see the ball when I got to the play. I was like, well, that's not good. And just kind of reset from there and just kind of start focusing the other side. But, well, yeah, it's come a long way. I've been putting a lot of work in, especially in the cages with uh, the curveball machine and, you know, just trying to, you know, get a good view of them, just trying to get used to the timing. And it's it's been helping. I mean, still you, you still have a lot of work to do. I mean, I'm not saying that it's like perfect, but it's not nothing ever is. So it's always room for improvement. But it's definitely come a long way ever since I first did it on the fall. And I think that it's just gonna keep getting better as I, as I get used to it. So you know, I'm excited and I'm just you know, just not ready for season. You know, you mentioned you mentioned Davis, and I guess. Going along with that, I guess, how tough is it to face this pitching staff day in and day out? And I guess also, how excited are you to start facing some pitchers that aren't aren't in garnet and gold? Uh, this pitching staff is probably by far the best I've been faced, like I've faced in three years. 
from the freshmen to the seniors to whoever. They're all really talented, really, really crafty. They all, they know how to pitch and they're not afraid to challenge you. I think that's what separates them from everybody else. That's why I think we probably have one of the best pitching staff in the nation. Um, these kids are ready to throw the ball no, no matter who's on the bottom box. They don't, they're not afraid. They don't back down. And, and it's, of course, it's tough to face them every day. But if anything, I think it helps us as hitters, you know, to feel like that quality pitching often. Well, whenever we go somewhere else, you know, we got that little advantage of facing, you know, like probably, like I said, one of the best pitching sets in the nation's every day. So, you know, of course, you see that's a positive and, you know, you just got to be ready to hit. I mean, of course, we don't, we don't want to be the hitters. The hitters, all, all of us don't want to back down with them. Yeah, like every day, maybe like they get praised more like, oh, yeah, the pitching staff is really good. But we know we, we can hit, too. So, so we're going to show them every day, giving them a good battle every day to go out there. Not easy outs for them. You know, me was the one that recruited you a while back. And I guess, you know, he's your hitting coach freshman year. And then he, he trans, transitions over to head coach last year. I guess, what have you liked about having Meet as your head coach? And I guess, what's been the biggest difference between him and 11 so far? Uh, I would say I, I like him a lot. He's, he really cares about his players. He wants to, you know, make you better. He wants to challenge you, which is what all the great coaches do. And I, I really think him and 11 are really similar. I mean, They've been together coaching for the longest time. and But I think they both have their different approaches towards the game. They both agree. I mean, they both try to win, which is honestly, at the end of the day, the most important part of, you know, the baseball. And, you know, just having him here, especially, he recruited me. And then now he, I got to campus and, you know, just showing that care for me and like trying to make me better. He's always, you know, it's good and trying to make everybody better. But, but yeah, it's great. I mean, he hasn't changed anything from being assistant coach and the head coach. I think he's skipped out of it in the same, just trying to, you know, like I said, help everybody around him. So that's what was really good. What do you think has been like your biggest personal strides from last year to now? And just how much, how much better do you feel as, as both a player and a person? Uh, like I, kind of like I mentioned, especially like doing the whole quarantine thing, just kind of grew a lot as a person. Um, um, as a player too, but mostly as a person, I was trying to kind of find myself, I find that happy place, you know, just kind of, like I said, restart, fresh start this 2021 is first year. Never did think about anything else that happened before. Just kind of just go up to the business and just focus on the head. Not really looking back at what things are going. But I definitely think I made big strides in the mental side of the game. I think, I'm not, I mean, of course, uh, your first year, freshman year, you kind of come in to not really prepared to play 65 games a year. You're not really prepared to be facing the best pitchers every Friday, every Saturday, you know, you know, and those, those things. Like it's tiring, especially as a freshman and you're like kind of get dragged and consumed by it. But you just got to, like, like I said, like get stronger mentally, physically and, and you know, go up from there. But part of the biggest thing, yeah, I think I grew up as a person and like I said, I mean, it doesn't stop here. Just kind of keep learning something new every day and you know, to, you know, keep getting better. You know, lastly, with, with, when you guys bring back a whole starting lineup and, you know, you have the talent of this pitching staff, just how confident are you in this team to get back to Omaha and, you know, get over that last hump? Um, I'm very confident. Like I said earlier, probably the confidence, like the best and like the most complete team I've been here in three years. Like you said, we have a lot of people coming back. Um, a lot of new pitching staff, a lot of old pitchers, people that have been here before. And I think that combination is really going to help us 
you know, combine that experience, that young talent to, you know, really get us that over the hump. I think it's kind of time for us to, you know, really show the world what Florida State baseball is made of. And I really have a really, really, I really believe this year it's going to be the year that we finally get over that hump. Because honestly, like I told you, I see, I see it in everybody's faces every day in the locker room, on the field, everybody is out there trying to be the best player they can be, the best person they can be. And I think that's that's what's going to separate us from the rest of the group. But yeah, really excited. I'm you know I'm really looking forward to start playing baseball in about a week and a half or two. Appreciate Nander joining us. And Brett, um, Nander's going to be someone that Florida State's really going to count on. I think that's an X factor. And we'll, we'll preview a little bit more of the infield here in just a minute. Um, but before we do that, uh, positives from the first week of practice. I know you've touched on it just a little bit, but were there some individual performances that you're, you were impressed with? Yeah, so Matthew Nelson behind the plate was as good as it gets, as a catcher can be uh, defensively in in, in a two-day showing. I mean, I think he threw out about six of eight attempted steals. Um, You know, on on Friday he was three of three. I think there were two, like, delayed steals that that, um, he didn't throw out, and those were the only two that he didn't. But it was just – it's just the the, the defensive improvements this year – um, since he had that weight drop of night and day, um, you know, he's always had the arm strength, but he's, um, you know, dragged maybe a little bit too weight where he kind of gets slow on his lower half and, you know, he just can't get out of his, out of his crouch and, and get towards second base quick enough. Um, and, you know, he also put, I also thought he put together some quality at bats that maybe didn't lead to a bunch of hits or a bunch of production, but, you know, if Nelly's in that two spot again, all you want out of him is, is quality at bats and, you know, get on base in front of that three, four, five, and let them see pitches and stuff like that. You talked about Robbie a little bit earlier. Robbie had a really nice weekend. Um, three hits, two hundred plus exit velocity, one pull side homer, three hundred seventy feet, one hundred six off the bat. You know, we've talked about it a little bit, but if if Robbie starts getting his bat out, and he, you know, you know, you have if you take um an a, a, a opposite field line drive double or a opposite field line drive single and you catch that ball out like a millisecond earlier, you're thinking about, you know, you, you're getting more launch angle and you're pulling to the pull side where the fence is there and it's much easier to get a ball out of the field. So, you know, that's what we saw him do and he lofted that ball. as a, a towering fly ball that went out for a homer. So that was really good to see. Um, a bunch of the people that are in, in, in uh, battle for first base had nice weekends at, weekends at the plate. Uh, Garrett Mathis had, had 99 exit velocity double. Um, Dylan Simmons had a single, uh, you know, it's just a lot of, there's a big battle going on right there. And then I think two guys that took big steps forward in consistency and guys that have power and guys that we know have super high ceilings were Carson Montgomery and Hunter Perdue. I thought Carson Montgomery looked the most polished he ever has at Florida state on, on Saturday. Um, it, it was really, it was really fun to watch. Um, struck out five of nine batters he faced, only gave up one hit. Um, you know, he was 93-95 with a fastball for two innings, four pitches for strikes, changeup slider, cutter, off strikes. Um, slider was is a dominant pitch. When he gets on top of it, when he gets it down and away, um, it's going to give right-handed hitters a ton of trouble. The changeup continues to make strides. Um, you know, we, we saw him I'm, uh, made Tyler Martin – Looked silly one time with a changeup. Um, he, he was executing over and over again with that pitch. Um, you know, the fastball 
still has that arm side run, and, and when he runs it in on right-handers' hands, it's almost impossible to get your bat head in front of it. And I thought that was the most he's ever looked like a starter. Um, I came away thinking, you know, Carson just made a statement, and, and he's, he really just took a, a big step forward in the starter competition. Hunter Purdue looked, you know, Hunter Purdue, my concern coming out of the fall was, you know, his feel for the fastball and command of the fastball coming off Tommy John. But he threw nine fastballs on Saturday, all for strikes. 92-94, not as powerful as usual, but it's still powerful. I mean, 2,300-2,400 spin rates. Um, hammer curveball at 79-81, to um, using it over and over again for strikes. You know, spin rates up to 2,800s. It's a really dominant pitch. So when Purdue's in the zone, when he's commanding his fastball, he's going to be nearly un- unhittable to hit in college. And, you know, I don't think – I don't know if he'll be in the starter um, competition coming out at the start of the year. Coming off Tommy John, I don't know if the pit coaching staff wants to push him that quick um, back into a bunch of innings. But either way, I think he'll have a big role on this team. And at worst, he's a dominant, dominant back-end guy for your bullpen. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, the pitching, like we've mentioned numerous times throughout these episodes, is is supposed to be a strength for Florida State. And I think that might be one of the the priorities for me on what I'm looking for opening weekend is how dominant are they? I mean, you get UNF, who has been, historically, they've had some some solid clubs. And, you know, if Florida State comes out and pitches at a high level for three games, I think you feel really good um, that it pretty much confirms what you thought they could be. So the pitching staff, important, as always. We'll do the pitching preview next weekend um, and into next week as, as we get set for the for opening weekend. Um, but you're only as good as the infield behind you, right? As a pitcher, at times, you, we've seen it in the past. Like, there are, there are really good pitchers who don't put together great stat lines because the the defense behind them just kind of lets them down. So um, that's one of the question marks for this Florida State team. And you and I have not been shy uh, about stating it, is that if Florida State wants to get to where they want to go, and that's not just to make Omaha, because they can do that, I think, with – a below average defense. Um, they've done it in the past. They've they found ways to win, but to win in Omaha and to do the one thing that you've never done a, as a program, and that's win a national title, you're going to have to play defense at a, at a slightly higher level. Meets Meets acknowledged it. I mean, Meet has not has also not been shy about saying we know that we need to get better in this area. Brett, this this group has a chance to I think be a a decent fielding team. But they, they are locked in some position battles, and let's go through some of those. Um, catcher, uh, Matt Nelson locks it down. Uh, you've alluded to it a little bit that defensively he's getting better and better. I know that was a question mark for him at one point, was could he be able to be that... Every day. That every, every day, yeah. yeah and and to, do, to, to, play, to, do, to, to play defense, right, at a high level, and to consistently do it. Can you block balls? Um, can you frame pitches? Can you call a game and kind of control the pitchers on the mound because you are essentially the quarterback of the team. They go as you go um, when you're the catcher. He's gotten better at that, I thought, you know, over his first couple of years. And this season, he really locked in. Like, this offseason, he... He committed to changing his body. He committed to getting stronger. Um, he committed to becoming a better hitter, to becoming a better blocker. All of the stuff that we just mentioned, uh, Matt Nelson really locked it in. And um, from what I've heard around um, the program and, and and those who know him, he is extremely focused on baseball right now. This is something that he wants is to um, not only have a successful season, but he also wants to get drafted. And he knows that his future in professional baseball 
was dependent on him taking a, a couple of steps forward. Those videos that you have put out have shown a guy, at least defensively, that looks like he could challenge for the best catcher in the ACC. Like I, I know there are some really talented players across this league, but if Matt Nelson performs to that level, you've got a guy who could who could earn first team All ACC at catcher. Um, what do we expect from him here in his third season? Yeah, well, first of all, I'll give Del Castillo from Florida's from Miami the you know the the I'll give him the best catcher in the ACC to start. But you know, Nelly, I'll give you the chance to prove me wrong. But that's a challenge. Is that a challenge, Brett Nevitt? Sure, go ahead, go ahead. It's a challenge. But you know, Nelly, Nelly, Nelly's Nelly's a guy that you don't have to ever worry about. You know, he's a guy that's going to bring it every day. And I said, we, that was one of the things I came away thinking this weekend where, you know, it's a Saturday morning, you know, you're a college student, you got other things on your mind, maybe you want to go out, maybe you want to do other things. But, you know, Nelly's out there, you know, he's, he's screaming as he's, as he's catching balls. Hell, he's screaming like, hell yeah, as he catches a ball. You know, even Meat said to him at one point, you know, I love the, love the enthusiasm, Nelly. And, you know, he kind of gets those rest of those guys going. Um, you know, he really is the guy that's in command of the whole posi- the whole pitching staff. I think he makes those guys go. Those guys like throwing to him. He knows he knows what guys he needs to get going. He knows what guys you know he can settle back on a little bit. Um, you know, I just think he's gonna have a breakout year at the plate too. I just I just think it's gonna be. I just think he's gonna have a, a, just a season that a lot of people will remember as him being the guy that you know, made this team kind of go where he might not have the best numbers, but he's going to be the guy that, um, you know, he keeps this pitching staff going when they need to go. He keeps the hitters going when they need to go it. He gets on base when you need him to get on base. He'll take a hit by pitch when you need to take a hit by pitch. Um, you know, he's just, he's the commander of the whole team and that's why he's the guy. He's the only guy that's been named a starter by, by me. He's, he's earned it. He's earned it from the last two years. Um, you know, we've seen him play under pressure at LSU, I mean, he's a smart player. That that play at LSU, thrown on third base. That's not something that that coaches call. That that's a that's that's a play that that Nelly makes on his own with with his third baseman. He's he's you know he's a coach in the field. Um, I'd put a lot of money on it that he ends up being a head coach or a, at least a coach one day. But you know, in my opinion, and I you know Aria's opinion, we've agreed on this that he is the most important player on this team, and FSU has to have him this year. Yeah, an emotional leader as well uh, for Florida State. And uh, those of you listening, uh, I know you guys know Florida State catcher is a position uh, that the Knowles have been blessed in uh, over the years. That is that is a position that the Knowles almost always turn out, if it's not a, a first-round pick, like a, uh, a Buster Posey, a Hall of Famer, we should say, like a Buster Posey, it's at least at the very worst, right, a very good college catcher. And you've seen that in the past. Stephen McGee, um, Della Calle, uh, uh, obviously with Cal Raleigh, who is very close to, to cracking the big leagues um, over there in the Mariners organization. So um, Florida State has a history of catching. And uh, Mike Martin Jr., meet, was a catcher himself. So uh, a position that they take very seriously. They give a, they give a lot of responsibility to that position. Um, and Matt Nelson, I think, is ready to step up uh, to have a, a very big season for Florida State. All right, so first base, um, Dylan Simmons, Ended the year last year at first base. Um, but as is the case this year in the COVID era, the pandemic era, you have to cross crossbreed and cross-train at uh, every position, right? Because you really don't know 
when you wake up one morning and you, because of contact tracing, are down seven or eight players, and now you're moving everyone around like it's a merry-go-round. And uh, Florida State has been on top of it. They are training players um, left and right. Uh, everyone's kind of getting uh, used to a couple of different positions just in case that they're called upon. First base was something that we thought was interesting, right? We saw Simmons there. Um, we saw Mathis there. And uh, we saw Tyler Martin there as well, who has played some time at third base, can play second, um, can play all over. But uh, first base, Brett, what do we expect from from that spot? Yeah, so, I mean, I think between first and third base, you're probably going to get three starters between those two positions, and you don't know how it could play. I mean, you don't know exactly how it might play out on day one between first base, third base, DH. Um, you know, I think Tyler Martin is a starter. Um, I think Dylan Simmons is a starter at least most days, you know, there will be days that they give Dylan a day off of hitting and say, you know what, go pitch. We need a couple innings from you. You know, even at practice, one day he's um, taking ground balls at first base and the other day he's working with the pitchers. So, um, you know, I think it is important for them to have him pitch too, but they know how important his bat was at the end of last year and how consistent he was. And he's just a guy that makes consistent hard contact and he's an aggressive hitter at the plate too, which Meat likes. Um, You know, Tyler Martin's Always going to give you good at bats. You know he'll be the leadoff hitter this year. I'm I would say 99% sure that will be the case on opening day. You know I just even come away from this weekend. It wasn't that Tyler had a ton of hits or anything, but it was just some of the pitches that he didn't swing at. They were more impressive than the pitches. I mean more impressive than his swings itself. Um, you know the the way he sees spin on a baseball. It, it the way he decides what pitches he's hitting, which pitches he's not. It's really fun to watch. I mean. I saw him spit on a few curveballs where I just went. I, I I don't even know if some if some major league players are spitting on those pitches. And this is still a kid that I believe is only 19 years old. So um, he'll be in there. You know, I think Garrett Mathis also has Garrett Mathis at first base also has some say in there. You know, he didn't hit at Mercer, but he did hit in the high 300s at State College of Florida and JUCO before he came here. You know, I think he's still getting back into the flow of being a hitter. Um, you know, he gets pull side happy at times, but I think if he started using the other side of the field as well, he could be a really good hitter. He's got he's got some pop in his bat. You know, he's a bigger guy. Um, we've seen him put together good at bats and have some hard contact. Uh, I don't think he'll be in there to start the year, but I think you hear from him pitch hitting early in the year, and he could maybe work his way into a starting spot. And then Casey Asman's also got to say over there at first base, there's a lot going on at first base with this team. Um, there's a lot of different options, and I think it's it's a lot of good options. And, you know, a couple of years ago, FSU really struggled at first base, um, and that was a big hole in that, that Omaha team until uh, Carter Smith kind of stepped up late in the year. But um, now FSU's got a lot of good options, and I think it's a really good thing. So I think it will be a position that they can re- rely on offensively this year. And um, I think whoever ends up being your best, most consistent first baseman, you know, picks and every, you know, people think first base is a really easy spot to play, but sometimes, the, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure on first baseman to to make plays and make their infielders look even better than than they than they really are. So I think whoever plays just as all the other infield defenses, whoever plays that best defense most consistently is is going to be in there because they can all hit. Yeah, second base. Let's just jump right into it. Uh, Jackson Green, um, Ryan Romano, uh, Danny Anzel. Um, yeah, second base for Florida State has been kind of that that plug and play position over the years. At least the end of 11's tenure, 
Um, even last year a little bit, they were just trying to find, it seems like they try to find the best bat who can also have a solid glove and kind of, you know, you kind of just figure out, you know, in the past we've seen Mike Salvatore and uh, Nander um, kind of flip-flop, and it was just finding something that worked. Do we think defensively that second base could be a strength for Florida State this year? I think defensively it will definitely – I don't I, I don't think there will be a liability there. Um, you know, there's there's good options defensively. I think, you know, Jackson Green's fielding percentage was not great last year, but I believe I believe almost every single error he made was in the short stint. He was at shortstop, and it's just because I don't think he has an arm for shortstop. Um, at second base, though, when he could just body balls up, get in front of it, knock it down, and, you know, make a routine play, he looked good most of the time, but you know, he did struggle with the bat. Danny Ansel's another guy that's an option. You know, he's an option at a few other positions, but Danny Ansel's a guy that is really, really good with the glove, and that's why he's still at Florida State. You know, not much of that freshman class position player-wise is left, um, but he's back because, you know, they know how good he is defensively. Um, you know, Vince Smith is the guy that coming out of fall, I would say, would start at second base. Um, but, you know, we, we haven't seen him much at second base, taking reps there just because, you know, I still think he is in that position battle with, with Nanner. We'll talk about that in a second as well. But he's a guy that figures in there as well. You know, like we said, Tyler Martin could play that position too. There's there's a lot of guys that has their say, guys that have their say in that. That's a position battle that I'm really interested in seeing how it plays out over the last couple of weeks and who they have there and who they might move there once they start figuring out other spots. You know, I just think that position could could depend a lot on what happens at other spots first. But I think. You know, you might have a liability with the bat, but if you can get good defense, um, that that's what you're going to prioritize right now. Yeah, and I think so. Basically, what I kind of started this position off with is, at times, you know, in the past we've seen Florida State just kind of figures out who's the best overall option, uh, hitting and fielding, um, and they kind of just place them at second base, and so. Um, second base could be somewhere that's kind of dependent on how the other positions kind of shake out. Because I think, you know, you're right to like Vince Smith. I mean, I think Smith has, Smith was really impressive in the fall. I mean, like he didn't, he didn't look like a, he didn't look like a youngster. He didn't look like a newcomer to division one base. He looked, he looked like he could lead off. Like there were times you're like, this guy is an all ACC type of hitter. And so if he continues to hit like that, I mean, look, Mike Martin Jr., and Mike Metcalf and the rest of the staff, they're no dummies, right? Like, they're going to find a way to get that kid at bats. And if that means moving him in the lineup and, and finding a way to get him in the lineup, maybe second second uh, second base is the area that, that you have to plug him in defensively. So um, keeping an eye on it, uh, that's one of those positions that when we talk about different in February than it is in April, I think better than 50% chance that that's something that changes, that that spot changes. Um, and if Jackson Green gets the first chance there, um, he's going he's gonna to have to prove that he belongs there um, on an everyday basis. And, and so that, that's going to be a, a position battle, I think, that goes on even throughout the season. Third base, you got Logan Lacey, who ended the year there last year. Um, Tyler Martin, we mentioned, can play there as well. And we, saw them, we saw him there a bunch last year. Uh, Carter Smith no longer on the team. Um, and that was someone that we saw get extensive work at third base. And then you got Cooper Swanson, who has kind of played everywhere, right? Like he's been in the outfield. We've seen him in center. We've seen him in left. Um, he's DH'd. He's played first. I mean, we, we've kind of seen Cooper as a utility guy for this Florida State team. Uh, 
Cooper, to me, I think it's almost like it's reliant on his bat. If the bat's going good, you got to have Cooper Swanson in the lineup because it's it's so projectable. He has probably one of the top three power bats in the in the line on the team. And when he's going good, like I said, we've seen in the past, he flashes like draftable potential. And you're like, if Cooper Swanson does this for like two weeks in a row, holy crap, like Florida State could be really good. So it seems like between him and Logan, Cooper's kind of the upside. Logan Lacey, more of that consistent, dependable. Yeah, because Logan played really well against UF and into that final week of the season before the shutdown. I actually kind of like what Florida State has at third base. Defensively, we'll see. <laughs> third base has actually never been kind to Florida State defensively, maybe like Sherman Johnson, and that was it. Um, Lord knows, Brazuela, uh, Mendoza, uh, et cetera, et cetera, defensively have, have had some struggles there. So maybe. Lo- I, thought, I actually thought Logan Lacey, Brett, was pretty solid defensively at third base. Like they, Last year when Carter Smith and, and Tyler Martin – and they were they were kind of having this little plug and play action and trying to just figure out who could play third base, especially after the Texas Tech series when Florida State kind of threw away a game quite literally um, from third base. Uh, Logan Lacey seemed to come in and kind of cool cool that cool cool that oven off a little bit in 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 a bad analogy, but that to me is going to be a position that. I am actually very, very interested. Maybe, maybe out of all the positions, I think third base to me is the most intriguing. Yeah, I actually really, really like Logan Lacey defensively, and I like his bat as well. Um, you know, defensively, he's got the best arm there, and you know, he's a kid that will get his ball, his body in front of the ball. You know, sometimes, sometimes he just, I just think he's not as sure-handed with the glove as you as you'd like, but he's still. He's a guy that will just make sure that the ball is in front of him. And, you know, um, the arm is just – its re- there's so much like in the arm. He was a guy that at some points had TCC before he came to Florida State, could get run his fastball in the high 90s. And, you know, we saw his arm. He's, his arm worked in right field last year too. And, you know, if you're in right field, you got to have a good arm. Um, the bat, I like the approach of the plate. He's an aggressive hitter. You know, he attacks fastballs early in counts. Um, you know, he's a smaller kid, but there is some juice in that bat. We saw him. I think he had a few doubles that that weekend at Duke. Um, I think he had two doubles the last game at Duke and a homer. Um, you know, he's not the flashiest player you're ever going to see. Um, and he's not definitely not the biggest guy you're ever going to see. But Logan Lacey's just a guy that, I mean, we saw last year when he was at third base that it just kind of, it just there was just a calmer sense of who you had down there and you weren't worried about every single ball that was hit there. You know, Cooper Swanson is definitely the upside. You know, there's a reason Cooper Swanson's still at Florida State, and it's because he's got so much talent. You know, Cooper can do a lot of things for you. He's he's a big guy. He's a powerful guy, but he's also a really fast guy. And you might not think that when you first look at him, but Cooper Swanson runs 60-yard dash times in, in a 6'5". Um, you know, he's a guy that will lay down bunts. He'll steal bases for you, um, and he'll give you that, that, that one swing, one run. I mean, he's just... You know, it's just like when you think about if it clicked, it's just you just kind of it's kind of something that you dream on a little bit. Um, but, you know, the defense is, you know, there were a couple times this weekend when I thought then that's really nice play by Cooper. And then there was a time where, you know, he kind of olays a ball. And it's just like it's just if it could be consistent, which we haven't seen yet, 
And we've, you know, even I think he, I believe he came into Florida State as a shortstop. You know, he's been worked at a lot of different places. It's just he has not found that consistent consistency yet in the field. Um, you know, over these next couple of weeks, I think that's the position defensively I'll be paying attention to them the most, along with shortstop, just because that left side of the defense, that left side of the infield, is going to be the most important part of of the of the field defensively for Florida State especially with all the ground balls I think this this pitching staff will create um and you know Tyler Martin of course is over there too talked about Tyler a little bit earlier Tyler's I think the most sure-handed of the group but Tyler's probably has the weakest arm of the group um you know he had shoulder issues last year and I think that's the worry there with him at third base but you know if if if, if he's got the surest glove and you know you, he just gives himself a chance then um, I think that's who you roll with as well. So, you know, obviously, like you said, it's really intriguing. Once again, I think it comes down to defense. As me mentioned in his press the other day, the emphasis right now is on pitching, defense, and base running. So whoever gives you the best defense there, once again, is going to start. Yeah, I mean, gosh, in the past, you hold your breath every time the ball's hit the third base. I mean... Uh, third base is again has not been kind to Florida State defense. Third base is also not an easy position. No, to play. And, and not in college especially. I mean that's mm-hmm. why the third baseman and the MLB get paid crazy money. I mean that's it's the hot corner. I mean that's that's it's it's that it's called that for a reason. And um, it also amazes me how good I know I mentioned him earlier how good Sherman Johnson was at third base. Like that's the last third baseman that I just felt really good about be in there uh, at the corner so yeah we'll see I mean you got upside at the plate with Cooper um you've got Logan Lacey who might be kind of that middle ground solid fielder solid hitter and then you got Tyler Martin of course who um like you mentioned coach pretty sure handed yeah coach on the field and uh, intangibles galore so all right uh shortstop we've been working our way to it uh that's another one defensively recently that has not not gone Florida State's way. Mike Salvatore did a great job of kind of, um, let's say he plugged up a he plugged up a leak there uh, a few years back when Nander was having a lot of trouble um, playing shortstop. And then last year Nander, at times looked like he had improved, and other times looked like the same Nander uh, on the left side of the infield, where he'll make a flashy play once, and you go, man, that kid is definitely a top thirty prospect, and he's going to make a lot of money one day. And then there would be a play, a routine play that he just boots, uh, and you would go, "I don't understand." <laughs> I was promised, I was promised this brilliant top top recruit, and it's just not there. Um, maybe Nander now as an upperclassman, it's kind of the game has slowed down for him mentally. Maybe he's a, he's in a better spot, um, at least baseball wise, uh, to be able to figure out um, how he can help this team. Uh, that seems to, I feel like Brett, tell me if I'm wrong here. Like Nander's the starter at shortstop, like to start, at least to begin the year, like it's his position. So we're going to see him there against UNF. Yes. I mean, I, I believe so that that's what I would do. Um, I could never imagine Nander to say to sitting on a bench, um, you know, not starting an opening day with all the potential that is there. You know, it, it flashes almost every day at practice, the good stuff. But sometimes the bad stuff does flash as well. You know, we saw on Friday he made an error on kind of what was a routine play. And I thought it was an uneven day for him defensively. But I thought on Saturday he looked really confident. He was making plays easy, taking his time, you know, trusting himself, trusting his arm, trusting his ability. And, you know, you know, he had a homer on Saturday too. And, you know, that looked to 
kind of flow over to the defensive side of the ball as well. Um, you know, Nander, it's just it's kind of the X factor um, that it's just like if it clicks, if he finds it, if, you know, going to right side only mentally frees him up to, you know, just let himself go out there every day, have fun, not have to worry about getting, you know, at bats, hits, uh, looks from both sides of the plate. You know, you just you got less things to worry about. And then I just think always defensively it has not been about physical it's mental, you know, we were watching, when we were watching those highlights the other day, you know, I said to you, look at some of these plays that Nander makes when it, when it's, when it's a bang, bang play, when it's a bang play play, when he doesn't have to think those are the plays that Nander's always flashed on when it's plays where he's got time to make plays, set his feet, make a throw. That seems to be when he's making errors. So it's just, if he would just trust himself in the situations where he's got times, take his time, slow down, slow the game of baseball down and I think Nanner DeSantis can be a really good baseball player. Yeah. Uh, there are moments where you go, I'm not sure that there are five other shortstops in the game, in the college game, that can get to the ball that Nander just got to, right? Like, he's he's lying on his feet. He's uber-athletic. The arm is crazy. Like, that is a, that is a major league-level arm. And he, he's, got, he's got the ability to be special. And if he can kind of find that middle ground of elite talent and just a consistent shortstop, like I mentioned Mike Salvatore earlier, there was not a whole lot defensively about Mike Salvatore that you were like, this kid is a plus plus. Like it was just solid. Like he he got to the ball and he released the ball out of his glove quickly and it usually hit the mitt of the first baseman. And that was like in, in the college game, it's team baseball. Like you're not you don't need to be a superstar. Now it's nice to have the talent that Nander does, but if he finds that middle ground, you have a chance to, to kind of have the advantage at shortstop. I'll tell you, bringing up Salvatore, it kind of reminds me of why I think Vince Smith is still in the conversation there. And it's just because, you know, Vince Smith's always kind of reminded me of Salvatore, someone who's just going to be consistent. Nothing's too flashy, but it's just, it's just good, good baseball. You know, Vince doesn't have the biggest arm ever, but, but he's got sure hands. He's got sure hands there. Um, you know, he puts the ball in play, um, two-strike approach, gritty hitter, um, gritty baseball player. Um, you know, the upside of, of Nanner is not there. But, you know, it's, I still think this, this is not something that is going to be handed to Nander. Um, I think me is really hard on Nander because he knows how good Nander can be. Um, but I also just, like we talked about earlier, I just I don't, I don't see – Nander ever being on a bench on an opening day of a college baseball season. So um, I will also, I will also mention Richie Morales, who is the other shortstop there. Um, Richie's another freshman um, with Vince Smith. Um, it's a kid that I really, really like the upside there. Big arm. Um, you know, he's, he's um, not the biggest kid, but he's, he's got some pop in the bat as well. Saw some hard contact from him late in fall. I'm starting to put to get some, put some together some other good at bats. That's a kid that um, I think could break out. Maybe not this year, but next year. And you know, I think he's a kid that may redshirt and end up being a really good piece for Florida State in the future. Yeah, uh, I think Florida State at shortstop has a chance. Um, they have upside. Like it, there's a lot of upside there at that position. And to Nander's credit, and I'm not, you know we're not giving up on Nander by any means. Like, like Nander could end up being one of the best players on this team uh, just through the talent alone. Um, he has, to his credit, come through in some pretty big moments. Like for Florida State, like I remember there have been some big hits against the Gators in his career. 
um, not just his freshman year, but last year he, he had a big sack fly to, to kind of give Florida State uh, an insurance run. Um, I remember an ACC tournament where he hit a home run uh, in a pretty big spot. Um, and I remember the postseason run on their way to Omaha where he had some big hits at Georgia against LSU. Like there were some moments you're like, all right, Nander's Nander DeSantis is a difference maker. Arkansas, Arkansas had the yeah, sack fly he had, one run. He, he has difference. RBI. He has difference making ability. And the hope for both of us, and we're just going to will it. Hopefully, we can will this 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 positive energy to him that his junior year is is a special one um, because we've seen it in college baseball in the past that players their their junior year just figure it out, and it's just because they've gotten so many at bats, they've gotten so many reps. Um, and this could be the year for, for Nander to, to kind of put it all together. And we're rooting for it, no doubt about it. All right, Brett, um, I think that was a really good pod, um, really good episode. Um, as always, incredible stuff by you. Uh, do you want to add anything else? Is there anything that, that you wanted to get off your chest in this one? Oh, man. Why are you putting the spotlight on me? Because I'm trying to wrap this baby up. I mean, this is something that I keep mentioning, keep bringing it up. But Florida State's veteran arms in that bullpen – I just, um, there was, I mean, those just, those aren't the flashy guys. Those aren't the guys I'm going to mention every week. I didn't mention them in my notebook. I didn't mention them in the notes this week. Clayton Kwiatkowski, Jonas Kalaya, and Chase Haney are still really good. They're all good. They're all going to be difference makers this year. They're all going to get a ton of innings. I may not mention them a ton just because I hope if you listen to this, you know who those guys are and you know those guys are dependable, but those guys are as valuable as anybody on this team. Yeah, uh, definitely, and and look, we're still a couple of weeks away from from opening day. There's a lot left to be seen, and there are uh, scores left to be settled. So um, we will see how Florida State progresses in the next couple of weeks. I do want to remind you that we are on Apple Pods. We're on Google Pods and Spotify. Please subscribe, uh, and if you can give us five stars, um, the highest rating you can, uh, leave us a comment, leave us a message. Um, and, and let us know how we're doing. Um, we, we made this for, for Florida State baseball fans. And, um, yeah, Brett and I love talking Florida State baseball. So just let us know what you think. And if you enjoy it, please share it with your friends. And uh, you can find us both on, on Twitter. Um, you can find the Sunday Golds account uh, on Twitter as well. Make sure you fo- you're following at Sunday Golds, uh, capital S, capital G. And uh, email us with some questions, sundaygoldspod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you guys in emails. Uh, Let us know if you got any questions or on Twitter, add us, and and we'll try to answer your questions next week as well. All right, the best time of year, almost upon us, Florida State baseball. It is just a couple of weeks away, and we appreciate your listenership as always. Until next time, Aria and Brett signing off, and I hope you have a great rest of your week.